Welcome to Strive, Toward a More Just, Sustainable World, a new podcast from IPS News. My name is Marty Logan. Footage of flames engulfing bodies at makeshift funeral pyres and stories of people dying in cars as drivers desperately raced from hospital to hospital seeking a bed. These scenes marked the second wave of the COVID-19 pandemic in India just months ago. Nepal was similarly walloped. Staff turned away people at intensive care units and patients attached to oxygen cylinders were being treated in parking lots. Other South Asian countries were less affected, but overall, COVID-19 has officially killed 450,000 people in the region since 2020. With vaccines expected to arrive painfully slowly in coming months, India, for example, has fully vaccinated just 6% of its population, Nepal 4% and Pakistan 2%. Mask wearing needs to be the priority, says the guest on today's episode of Strive. Maha Rehman is policy director at the Mahbub Al-Haq Research Center at Lahore University of Management Sciences in Pakistan. She is also a leader of the NORM mask wearing intervention taking place in four countries in the region and beyond. She describes NORM's early success in Bangladesh and how finding a way to embed the program in local communities in each of these very different countries will be key. Please listen now to my chat with Maha Rehman. Maha Rehman, welcome to Strive Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So you're part of a South Asia-wide initiative, a civil society initiative to fight COVID-19. Um, it's focusing on mask wearing rather than some of the other alternatives, such as bringing in more vaccines or providing PPEs or other equipment for healthcare workers. Can you explain to me why the focus on mask wearing and maybe an update on where exactly the initiative is at this moment? That's a question that we get a lot in the field as well, that every focus right now and all the energies should be on vaccine delivery. And so if you now look at the vaccine statistics in South Asia, most of the countries have anywhere from 1% to 5% fully vaccinated uh, population. And in spite of that very low vaccination rate, they still have supply constraints and local vaccine hesitancy. So in light of those statistics, we will need to continue to mask and socially distant in public places. The reason for that is because unless and until at least 60 to 70 percent of the population is vaccinated, we still need to be careful and we still need to protect ourselves and we need to protect others around us. So that is why we need to focus on masks along with vaccine delivery. Um, and the experiment started off in Bangladesh, in rural Bangladesh. This was um, carried out in uh, 350,000 individuals. Uh, in 600 villages. So NORM has a four component model. N stands for no cost distribution. O stands for offering information. R stands for reinforcement, that is reinforcing this message in markets and mosques. And M stands for modeling, where the local influences and the leaders model the message. 
So in Bangladesh, mask wearing increased as a result of these interventions by up to three times. And the effect was sustained even after the interventions were stopped. And so then those results were powerful enough to scale it up throughout South Asia. The original research team comprised of Dr. Mushfiq Mubarak, Jason Abilek, and other uh, researchers from Stanford Medicine and IPA. Now there's a bigger team of researchers and implementers, including myself, who's working on it across different countries, which include Pakistan, India, Nepal, as well as other scale-ups that are now taking form in Bangladesh. Because I am from Pakistan, let me also give you a bit of an update as to how things are looking like in Pakistan. In Pakistan, the scale-up took place in, in an, an urban adaptation of this model in Lahore. That is a city of 13 million people in which this model was adopted uh, with some components changing. For example, in the Bangladesh model, the masks were distributed door-to-door. -door. In Lahore, the masks were couriered to people because in an urban setting, the distances are larger, mobility is higher. Um, and several other components in terms of offering information to local cable networks, social media, in form of very carefully crafted messages through multimedia was also added on to the original intervention. Okay, great. Thank, thank you for that. I, I want to go back briefly to that figure that you mentioned for Bangladesh, how the initiative increased mask wearing as much as 300%. I mean, that sounds very impressive. And also the fact that it, it, it didn't decline then after the initial stage. Do you see that happening in other areas, for example, in Lahore? Or is it, is it just too soon to forecast what might happen in other places? And why do you think it was so successful in Bangladesh? Um, so in Bangladesh, they tested this out in a rural setting. In a rural setting, people are more closely knit. Um, it's easier to spread information through word of mouth. The distances are not that greater. So the mechanisms that work in a rural setting are going to be very different from those that work in an urban setting. So while mask wearing increase up to three times in Bangladesh, I think the reason for that is because the interventions have been designed to make it a norm, to make it a habit, to have people adapt to this habit in this pandemic and also to avoid any other future health catastrophes. For example, air pollution is becoming a very common phenomenon in South Asia, in Delhi, in Lahore, for which, again, wearing masks needs to be a habit. And so the fact that it becomes a habit is, the, is at the essence of this intervention. And the effects were sustained for some time after the intervention in Bangladesh. Um, and so I think we're going to see similar results in Lahore. Uh, the mask wearing rate is picking up in both markets and mosques, in mosques more so than markets, because mosques uh, are an enclosed space um, and it's easier to get people who are coming there regularly to adapt to such a habit. And so the way the experiment has been set up, that there's a reminder coming to you on your doorstep, there is information being offered, the community members who are reinforcing the message, and then there are community leaders who are reinforcing the message. So it's also very much becoming a part of the community setup um, that then allows individuals to adapt to this habit and to make it more of a norm. Okay. So I'm in Kathmandu, central Kathmandu. When I'm out of the house, I see most people and the vast majority of people, I would say, wearing masks anywhere above 80%. Some not always correctly, but they are wearing masks. And I'm quite impressed. Uh, 
I'm not sure about the rest of the city, but I do know some months back I went outside of Kathmandu Valley to a rural area and virtually no one was wearing masks. Do we see roughly the same urban and rural divide in the other countries, uh, Bangladesh, Pakistan and India? So it was different in Lahore when we did the baseline survey in Lahore. Um, about 20% people were wearing masks in mosques and 28% were wearing masks in markets. And so the mask wearing in urban areas itself was very low. And in cities outside, in the smaller districts outside of Lahore, I feel this rate is going to be even lower and even lower in the rural areas. And similarly, in India and in Bangladesh, the mask wearing rates have declined over time. So this is also more of a temporal issue. Between the time that we took the baseline and we started the intervention, the mask wearing rate had further declined in Lahore. And so I think that's coming from the fact that there was a third wave in Pakistan and second in India and Bangladesh and other countries. Um, and because that wave prompted people to start wearing masks more and more, but um, ever since that wave has peaked, people don't see or realize the importance of still wearing a mask. So that is why if at the peak more people were wearing a mask, the mask wearing rates have now come down. And in, pa- in Lahore, they were consistently coming down until now when cases have started rising again. And the importance of this habit needs to be really reinforced time and again. And in an urban setting, the reinforcers are going to look different. Information coming in from the cable network, social media, information coming in from the local community. In Lahore, we also had very visible branding put up across the city, which included billboards and uh, the traffic police, the bill distributors, the postmen. These are networks that have close contact with the community every now and then. And the idea, if you really want to scale this up effectively, is to then touch base with such networks who can then, um, in turn, reinforce the message in communities in a very cost-effective way. So uh, one thing that people come to me again and again and ask me about is, what was the cost of the initiative in Lahore? And so the initiative in Lahore was a no-cost initiative. The masks were donated by the corporates and the philanthropists of the city. They were sent out by Pakistan Post free of cost. Um, And then we had district officials and volunteers offer information and reinforce the message in public. And the district administration led the flag march together with the Lahore police chief in various localities to then again talk to people, talk to shopkeepers, talk to the buyers, and reinforce the message again and again as to why is mask wearing important. So because we want to make it a norm, we want to make it a habit, we want to embed these interventions in the fabric of the society and the fabric of the district government. Wow, I'm really impressed that it was a no-cost initiative. That shows that people are really rallying around it at all sorts of levels. I also have to credit the Lahore administration here and the Lahore commissioner really took it upon himself personally because he had seen three very devastating COVID waves in the city. And prior to his position as the Commissioner Lahore, he was previously the Health Secretary. And so he really took it upon himself to start this initiative, prepare for it, execute it. And so this initiative was launched in Lahore when the positive percentage was at its lowest. And that sounds very counterintuitive, but ever since then, cases around the country have started increasing. Um, In Karachi, the positive percentage is now around 20%, but in Lahore, it's still around 2 to 3%. I think it's 
uh, worthwhile to start planning and executing such initiatives, even if the positive percentage is low. And it's up to the district administration and the communities to come together to plan such an initiative. Of course, the district administration had help from the norms team, myself, um, Professor Mushfiq Mubarak, as well as uh, my team of RAs and students from Lahore University of Management Sciences. But the real uh, drive and the will to implement comes from the administrator. And because we need to now understand that COVID, until and unless the cases are driven down to zero, it's a reality that you will have to live with. And you need to think of it as various waves that come in time and again. So such uh, initiatives and such habits really need to be adapted in a social system. Right. So if, if you're an administrator, you can see this. If you have that long, that ability to think medium long term as an investment in the future, right? Absolutely. We've talked a, a little bit about Pakistan and Bangladesh. Things will be different in Nepal than India. Um, where, where are we in those two countries and how will the initiatives look different? Yeah, so in Nepal, the intervention is about to be launched in six districts that were high positive percentage. Talking about the differences in Bangladesh and uh, Pakistan, a central place for people to gather um, and uh, socialize is also the mosques. Um, and so that's the key component that's going to look different um, in both India and Bangladesh. And of course, and there's slight innovations in the way the people are um, sending out the message, they're talking to people, how should... Um, the information be going out. Every city and every district is innovating that in a different way. So in Pakistan, we use the Pakistan Postal Service. In Dhaka, they're using Food Panda, that is a food delivery service, to send the masks out and to send the message out. Um, in India, the first intervention took place with the help of an amazing organization, that's Seva, that's based in Ahmedabad. Um, and now they are also scaling the intervention. And the next iteration is going for the next iteration, the mass norm teams is looking at Bihar. And along with uh, innovating this model while you're scaling it up, of course, it has to be adapted. The scripts have to be in the local language. Each component has to be adapted to the local cultural settings. And of course, whoever is implementing it, whether that's a government partner or non-governmental organization, that then again changes what the intervention is going to look like. And while the uh, volunteer spirit, I feel, was really is really high in Bangladesh and the NGO network is really impressive. So BRAC is an impressive organization that's now scaling it up across 35 districts. Um, you have different modes of delivery in other countries. And so then that changes what the intervention is going to look like. What doesn't change is that we ultimately want every citizen in South Asia to be wearing a mask to protect both themselves and their families from this virus. And now since vaccines have become very salient along with masks, we're also looking at vaccine delivery interventions in various cities, which include easing the logistics for people as well as offering them a pitch to address their concerns on what will be the side effects, uh, what information do they not have. And so we offer that information so that they can go and get themselves vaccinated. And so we're also preparing to deliver um, and use the mask norms framework and the outreach to deliver vaccine interventions. So we've mentioned a few times how this is a South Asian initiative. 
but obviously a few countries are missing, Bhutan, uh, Maldives, Sri Lanka. Are you hoping for them to come on board or does it make a difference? Yes, we're very happy to also adapt this in newer countries. And we're always looking for to expanding the outreach within South Asia, as well as in other places in the world where, um, for example, in Africa, the virus has made a comeback and the cases are increasing very fast and so is the death rate. And so whoever wants to join in on the mass norms, uh, we are very happy. We have the materials developed, the implementation plans are ready, the scripts are ready to hop onto the bus. Um, and we are very willing to work with newer partners in Bhutan, Maldives, Sri Lanka, as well as places outside South Asia. And what if you're starting an intervention in a place where people aren't quite so ready to, to assist or there just isn't that kind of network or infrastructure and that you would require financially to put some money up front? Are you, are you prepared to do that? Do you have financial backing? So one thing that we've learned while scaling this up and implementing this across countries is there's always a coalition of partners that comes together to make it successful. So in Pakistan, it was the district administration, Pakistan Postal Office, various media networks, university students, um, and some volunteer groups that came together to make this a reality. Similarly, in Bangladesh, they have a coalition of partners. In India, they have a coalition of partners. And so that's what it takes to make it successful. And of course, there is some funding depending on what the initiative is looking like and where. Um, but given the scale that we are trying to reach, we are enabling communities to embed this in their system and then take it on. So the idea is to enable uh, communities and to enable groups to take this on based on what we have learned in Bangladesh, in Lahore, in various other locations that we're now scaling it up to. Right, okay. One thing I've noticed here in Nepal in recent years, and I, I know it's not new, is that when disaster strikes, be it COVID, be it a natural disaster, and I wasn't here after the 2015 earthquakes, but people told me it happened then as well, is that spontaneously civil society rises up and does a tremendous job in supporting other Nepalis. I, I've been endlessly impressed over recent years as these disasters have hit, recently flooding because now we have the monsoon. There were fires earlier this year and of course COVID-19 over the course of the last couple of years. So, you know, it seems to make real sense that, as you said, you would embed this initiative in these existing structures because civil society here just seems to be so active and in part necessarily so because in, in some cases the government uh, response just isn't that strong. Yeah, I think the spirit, the volunteer spirit in terms of a crisis like that um, is exemplary in various locations in South Asia. And several people have stepped up, not just the civil society actors. So you also have support being given to the government from corporates. You also have support being given from the, to the government from different media groups. Uh, but of course, the most impressive is when the civil society comes together to raise funds, to volunteer for a cause, and to put together its human resource to help people wo work their way out of a crisis, whether that's a pandemic, um, or earthquakes or any other natural disaster that 
um, a government is confronted with. Um, but while we're thinking about scaling it up and while we're thinking about deploying the civil society um, resources, I think it's also very important to start talking to the government to start changing the government culture of how they respond to such crises and how should they be thinking about planning for such crises. Um, and then, of course, there's several things that work and several things that don't work so well. Um, but you can't just think of any such relief effort without thinking about how to use the government, because the government, of course, has the infrastructure to deliver it at a scale that the civil society in a lot of places may not. BRAC has impressive infrastructure to deliver that throughout the country. Such organizations or NGOs don't exist everywhere. And that is why when you're thinking about adapting interventions or scaling it up or translating research into policy, um, it's important to also start thinking about how can we enable government actors to do better? How can we change the culture in the public sector? What is it that we can change about how we communicate with them? How can we make it easy for them? So one thing about the norms framework is that it was very actionable. It really told the policymakers that these are the three or the four or the five things that you need to do um, in order to encourage people to start wearing masks in the local locality. And so that was very actionable for a policymaker to take it on because time and again, we've been told as researchers um, that don't just bring a paper to us, tell us what needs to be done. So while there are actors within the government who are willing to take on data-driven policies and have data-driven practices in place, um, I think it's also up to the researchers to make it implementable and to make the communication and the language easy so that uh, they are also part of any coalition or any relief effort that takes place. Mm. Some people might say that you're being quite generous towards government's response to the pandemic and that, you know, I'm sure this isn't, this wouldn't surprise you to hear many people say that my government has failed. What has it done? So many people have died. So many hospitals have have not responded appropriately. There wasn't enough planning, et cetera, et cetera. It sounds like you're you're trying to take a conciliatory approach and build something positive with or for governments out of this whole experience. I think um, I would disagree with that because so I am basing a lot of um, a lot of my direct experience with the government has been in Pakistan, um, apart from, of course, the norms framework. Um, and in Pakistan, um, given that there was a centrally coordinating body, NCOC, the cases did not increase to the point where the hospitals were flooded. Um, the planning of the government has been appreciated across the board, locally as well as internationally. But of course, you're right. Um, when you think, talk about South Asia as a whole, of course, there's a lot that we could have done better. We could have communicated information to the public in a better way. We could have communicated information about the standard operating procedures in a better way. Uh, we could have prepared the hospitals in a better way. So in India, we're collaborating with Dr. Sachit Bilsari and incorporating his treatment approach. So then that becomes MTV, masks, treatments, and vaccine, and preparing the localities for vaccine delivery. So the treatment approach is how can you enable communities to treat COVID patients at their houses, uh, in their houses and at the local community level. Um, and so while you talk about South Asia as a whole, of course, there's a lot that we could have done better. But I feel like there's also, um, and my bias may be coming in from the fact that most of my work prior to joining the Mass Norms team has been with the government in Pakistan. 
they have been very receptive to the data they've also been very receptive to what can be done and how can they be doing it of course when there whenever there's a crisis like pandemic there was very little we knew about it last march when the first cases started appearing in february and march in pakistan india bangladesh and nepal we did not know how uh, the transmission looked like we did not know how will it spread we did not know a lot about the virus and so there's a lot that we have learned since and in in light of that limited information um there's only limited planning that one can do but of course there then goes back to the argument that even prior to the pandemic the government should have invested enough in healthcare infrastructure of course those are learnings we'll carry forward from the pandemic as to how can we now make our health sectors stronger to live up to such a challenge how can we enable them in time for a pandemic and not wait for a pandemic to take those measures so going forward i think the conversation should now be about what have we learned from the last one and a half year and how can we then make the health system response stronger in these countries how can we make it more data driven what are the resources we need how do we align those resources uh, i think that's the conversation that's going to be more productive going forward from here okay i t- certainly take your point about uh, your experience in pakistan um and you mentioned something just now that i i wanted to ask you about which is data i know that uh the collection of data and real time analysis of data is an important part of this initiative so can you say something about that and so the multiple reasons why we are collecting data as we are um scaling this up and adapting it to new settings first of all you want to collect baseline data to see where the country or the district is at once you've collected the baseline data you then want to design the local adaptation in light of that data and then once the intervention is in field you collect data to see what's working what's not working how can you iterate on the several aspects of this intervention um and also ensure the data also helps you ensure that the intervention is actually happening in field the intervention is complete when you're talking about promotion what were the hours how was it taking place so it allows you to iterate upon the original design it allows you to ensure completion and we are also measuring endline data that will allow us to rigorously evaluate the impact of these interventions in each setting it's possible that it may not work in some settings and it may work really well in others and some interventions may work better than others and so then what is it that uh, we can learn um while we are scaling this up and so the data collection is very simple you using the software is called survey cto we have coded a form that form can then be deployed on data collectors smartphone and they go into a locality and collect observational data on how many people are wearing a mask how many people are improperly wearing a mask and how many people are not wearing a mask and then they also take pictures and collect other information about the community and about the locality um and this information in every community is collected at a 10 minute interval and it's collected frequently throughout the intervention at the baseline and at the end line and then that is going to be analyzed to evaluate uh, what worked what did not work and to evaluate the complete impact of such an intervention okay thanks for that i'm wondering have you had any contact with uh researchers or people doing similar initiatives outside of south asia is there is there interest in what you're doing from other parts of the world Um so right now the intervention is also being adapted in Latin America in Mexico and in other countries. So in Latin America the baseline finding was that the mask wearing rate are already 
um, at a level of 60-70% in some countries. And so in, in those countries, this phenomenon has become more of a norm. Um, and since given that there is a recent surge in Africa, we'll also now be making an active outreach in African countries. And then whoever wants to get involved and help us scale this up in other countries, we are very welcome to newer partners. We are very welcome to having newer civil society organizations join us in the countries where we're already in. And of course, um, this is an initiative that can benefit many, that can save many lives. So we're open to newer partners joining in and helping us um, take this to newer destinations where it's most needed. Okay, great. And on a practical matter, should people try to contact you if they're interested? Get so they can contact um, Professor Mushfiq Mubarak or they can contact the mass, anyone in the Mass Norm team, um, Heidi, Neela, or myself, or the different uh, country teams that we have based. All information is there on the IPA website. But as long as you're in touch with any member of the Norm's team, we can help you connect with a larger team and then take it forward. Okay, and we'll certainly put the URL for the website in the show notes. Getting back to the South Asia region, I wanted to ask approximately when do you hope to reach that goal? I think you mentioned earlier 60 or 70 percent of people wearing masks. Are you hoping that in the four countries we've talked about that will happen within six months, within a year? Have you set a goal? So the scale-ups are taking place with different districts and different organizations um, coming on board at various points in time. So one of the first scale-ups took place in Gujarat, Seva. Then, of course, BRAC is tailing it up. The Lahore administration is on board. We are definitely um, asking for many more partners to join so that we can reach this goal quicker and in time uh, for us to save more lives. So definitely looking at more coalitions building up. Um, and so while we would want to put a timeline to that, um, I think because we are now also using this framework for vaccine delivery, and we will continue using this framework to uh, test interventions that will work to fight off COVID in the region. And the sooner that happens, the better. Um, and so we are working at full speed to counter this, and we invite other players to join us so that we can move even quicker in achieving this goal. Okay, great. Maha Rehman, thank you very much for speaking to me today. The initiative is very impressive. I'm really happy to see that it's so innovative and taking different shape in different places. I wish you much luck in the region and uh, throughout the world as you expand. Thanks again. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for giving us this outlet to share this journey with your listeners. And we're looking forward to having many of the listeners join us as well. Thank you again to Maha Rehman of the Norm Mask Wearing Project in South Asia. If you enjoyed this first episode of Strive Toward a More Just Sustainable World, please help spread the word by rating or reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts. You can also subscribe, follow, or favorite Strive on any podcast app. Stay up to date with us between episodes on Twitter and Facebook. To reach me directly, send an email to mlogan at ipsnews.net. I'm Marty Logan. I produced this episode, and I'll talk to you next time. Strive is a production of IPS News.